You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi there, this is the legendary Tom DeFalco. And you are listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Welcome to the Collected Comics Library. I'm your host, Chris Marshall. And I'm your sidekick, Andy Tom. <laughs> You're such a wonderful sidekick, Andy. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> this is a special edition of the CCL where we uh, where we go over uh, the complete Punisher Max. We've been doing this for a few episodes now, Andy. And tonight we continue with Mother Russia, which is Punisher Max issues 13 through 18. And uh, just a reminder that this episode will also be run on the Epic Marvel podcast feed. So look for that pretty soon. So without further ado, Andy, let's dive into Mother Russia. Yeah, this is a cool story. So uh, definitely different than the previous, what would it be, three stories now we've already covered? Yep. I mean, we yep. started with Born. We started with Born. Yep. Uh, what was the name of the first one again? I can't even remember. Uh, or, or the one after born, I should say. Uh, oh, Jesus, Kitchen Irish. Um, uh, no. Kitchen Irish was the next one. That was the next one. Damn it! Oh, I can't oh remember. God. You're killing me here. <laughs> this is awful. Hold on. Oh, what Punisher fans we are! But I did love it. I, just I can't. can't I, you know what? I, I'm. Why? Why did we? Why am I skipping this? I have no. What the f? f? <laughs> um. Uh. It, uh I gotta it's get a, it right. We did born, we did in the beginning. Duh, in the beginning. Duh. Okay, it just doesn't sound like people it are like you guys are idiots. Yes, yeah, we I are. Know. Yes, we are. What's well, Sunday? It's hot in Michigan. It's like ninety degrees out right now. It's like nine o'clock. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy here too, man. So, I I, uh, I had the windows open in the house all week, and then today I sh- finally shut it up and turned the air conditioner. Uh, so, all right. Well, you want to kick us off with uh, Mother Russia Part One? Yeah. Yeah, we can. De- I can definitely do that. And I, the neat thing here with this, these Punisher arcs is when Garth Ennis was writing this, he was usually getting a different arc team together on this, and this is no different. Uh, when he started this new story arc with Mother Russia, he went and got Doug Braithwaite to do the art on this, and then the anchor was Bill Bill Reinhold. And I'm familiar with Doug Braithwaite. I've I liked a lot of his stuff. And when I started to go through it, I was like, okay kind of looks like standard Doug Braithwaite, but there's something different. And I didn't realize when I first started reading it that Bill Reinhold was the anchor. And going back now and realizing and remembering who Bill Reinhold is, it he's more of a heavy-handed anchor, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. And it goes well with Braithwaite's art, uh, but it's enough to – it's like one of those uh, pairings that that creates a whole different art style. You know what I mean, Chris? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um because I've seen it in Braithwaite's work, and it's looked uh, usually a little more sketchy than this. And Braith and and Bill Reinholds does a little bit more of a, a tighter type, 
he gets rid of that sketchiness a lot of the time out of the penciler and he kind of cleans it up quite a bit and he does so in this too which is kind of an odd pairing if you ask me uh based upon what i'm used to seeing with braithwaite's pencils but i think it turns out for a nice uh product and i think the art looks great in this and it's something different i mean it's not goran parlov or anything like that we see in later punisher max stories or Derek robertson like we saw in Bor Bor right. or leandro fernandez uh but it is a nice style my only complaint with the art in this is some of these older characters like uh obviously punisher max this punish frank is an older character in, in right. these stories and in this story we have uh another supporting character is nick fury yep and fury is also it's not the nick fury from the standard marvel universe it's not the guy who has some kind of super soldier serum in him so he's you know a very spry 40-ish when he's obviously almost <laughs> 80 years old uh this is an, an older nick fury as well and there's even an, a couple other characters but because of the the art style sometimes they tend to kind of look very similar to each other mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard to pick them up what do you think of the cover but, uh, overall i thought the art was very good but uh, the covers um uh, oh yeah just the standard braithwaite cover i or are you talking about the bread street cover i'm looking at two different ones. i'm talking about number 13 okay okay no the yeah this is a tim bradstreet cover with fury on it who is nick fury oh my gosh i didn't even is that david hasselhoff no it's it's is that? No. <laughs> it's it's thomas jane is is it yes Oh, I didn't even. Because Thomas catch that. Jane is Thomas Jane is Nick Fury. I yep. guess it is. Yeah, it I is. didn't even catch that. Yeah, he uh, he did a uh, photographer. He did a photo shoot for that cover. I didn't realize that. I yep. just assumed for a second because this came out prior. I think right around the time that that David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie. Came no, out. that was in the nineties. This this was that happened. Nineties. Yes, yes, yes. That oh movie was gosh. awful. Yeah. I assumed it was probably no. <laughs> but let's get started. Uh, and we'll kind of go through this. This story is really kind of easy and to go through. So I think this will be a pretty quick episode if we can, if we can kind of run through it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have as many uh, different plot threads. I mean, we talked about Kitchen Irish. No, the characters were... are pretty straightforward. The plot is pretty straightforward. It gets kind yeah. of crazy at the end, but we'll talk about. But yeah, right. But I mean, this one is pretty much. You know, it starts out. Uh, Frank is sitting in this bar in I, brighton oh, beach yep yeah okay it, it, he's, there's this old man he's a russian guy obviously from what he's complaining and talking to himself about he's complaining about the quality of vodka not being as good as real russian vodka and well they're not serving story, him they're not serving him the uh the, the good vodka because the bartender thinks he's crazy and is sick of him yeah kind of thing well, obviously he is. He's just an old drunk, really. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But he starts mouthing off about some Russian mobster that is controlling things, and that's why he can't get the good vodka. And some of these guys in the bar, you know, take offense to this. And obviously, they work for this Russian gangster or whatever, and they start yeah. to drag him outside. And you know, sort of ends up being the the bartender's kind of involved with it a little bit, or he just kind of like he's kind of sick of the old man. And Frank, at some point, gets in the middle of this, right? And he tells the bartender that that old man is pretty much protected not to mess with him. I mean, Frank yep. protecting the innocent kind of thing. But pretty much, it's just these, these, these gangster guys harassing this old man. 
Yeah, I mean, they, they, they Frank is kind of on the tail of trying to find this Russian gangster. He can't find him. And uh, and they follow the old man out who's mouthing off about the gangster. And, he, you know, this is obviously the gang. And uh, Frank, um, Frank, these guys, these three guys are going to go beat up the old man. And he, Frank kind of stops that in the alley. And, uh, and, you know, he kind of, uh, he gets, uh, you know, he shoots one of them in the face and, uh, it just goes to town on these guys. And, and the one, and then he's like, you know, where can I find the Russian gangster dude? I forget his name. Um, it is, uh, uh, stereotypical uh, Rastovic. Rostovic, yeah, he's looking for Rostovic. And the guy said he's at his mother's house. And Frank kind of like, he's like, damn, I should have thought of that. He's like, that's the first place I would have gone to. He's like, you know, a little bit pissed I didn't think of that myself. And then he shoots the guy in the head. And then it, it kind of like, um, so Frank is, is you know, we kind of know where Frank is going to go after that. He's going to go after this Russian guy. And then the, the next page, which if you're reading this in real time when it came out, you turn the page and there is Nick Fury and this old Colonel Fury disheveled kind of guy. And this is the first time we see Nick um, in the Garth Ennis comics, if I'm not mistaken, Andy. Um, in so. the Punisher, in the Punisher comics anyway, because um, there, there was the, the Fury um, Max stuff. Uh, but this is the real, you know, our, our third, third story arc or and into the ongoing series, and now we see another three one three or three one three six. I live in the three one three six one six um, character, uh, and that is Nick Fury. So um, it's kind of cool that the that Ennis is bringing in these old characters, and of course, what a great character to bring in, but it is Nick Fury. He's he's perfect for this role, and even to this day, they're still making Punisher. Nick Fury comics, you know, Ennis is still using the characters, which is great. I would agree. And, you know, it's funny, this, this Nick Fury here, I actually like a lot, but. Oh yeah. Oh, I think we, uh, just jammed up. The war veteran that he is in this. Sorry about that. We, uh, we just froze up for a minute. Oh, sorry about that. No. Uh, but anyway, I just feel like, yeah, Nick Fury isn't, in this book, he's much more of a hardened war veteran than he is in, in the standard 616 universe. Yeah. I mean, he he drops cuss words every other phrase. I mean, he takes no nonsense from anybody. He drinks, and, he's sleeping with hookers, you know. Oh, yeah. And he basically, I mean, and he, he says it right out there. I mean, he just puts it out there. I mean, oh, the yeah. other Nick Fury is this kind of womanizer type character. That's, yeah, you know, like George Clooney in a, with an eye patch. This guy, <laughs> this guy knows he's a dirt bag. Yeah. 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 I mean, he just knows the type of person he is and he's willing to admit it. And, you know, no one's going to change him. So I like this character. Uh, you know, and as this, as this moves on, we see we're introduced to Furies on a plane and they're, they do some discussions with uh, these other government uh, army guys. And then they flash back to Frank and he basically goes to this Rastovic's Rastovic's mother's house. Right. And he basically, long story short, I mean, Frank just basically walks in there and blows his head off. Yeah, pretty much blows everybody's head off. Yeah. Yep. And then the mother comes after him and he shoots her. Yeah. So takes no prisoners. Yeah. Which is funny because you, 
you know, the book's called Mother Russia. He's going after a Russian, Russian gangster right off the bat. And I mean, we're not even halfway through the first issue, and he's already wiped out the guy they're talking about in the beginning of the book. So, because when you start, so talking, we think, yeah, 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 yeah so that's it, think. yeah, yeah. Because if this is going like a regular Punisher story, it's going to take six issues for him to get to this guy, and he's going to have to go through all of his minions before he gets there. Exactly. But with this story, I mean, Frank doesn't waste any time. He goes right to this guy's mother's house. He shoots him. He shoots his mom. Yeah. And in the end of it, he takes start taking down the rest of his goons. Yep. And by the end of the, you know, halfway through the first issue, he comes walking out of the house and Fury's standing there outside the house. Which is kind of funny because Fury, talk about intel, Fury knows everything. Even, even in his, you know, he's, and we come to find out he's not really leading S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. And we didn't even know S.H.I.E.L.D. was a thing in this universe. Um, but, uh, you know, Frank. You know, they have this conversation, and uh, Fury wants to talk a little business about what's going on. So they go to this bar, and you know, of course, Nick drinks, uh, and Frank uh, drinks his club soda, um, and he talks about um, you know this this job that he wants him to do. What's it all about? Um, and Frank or Nick to entice him, he gives him all these computer codes and security clearance codes. So Frank can, you know, go up and down the eastern seaboard to capture all these criminals that he wants it to do. Um, and uh, Frank, you know, knowing Frank, of course, he's going to accept the job. It's, you know, that's where, that's where the story is. Of course, he's going to say yes. Uh, so they're kind of like, in a way, they're, it's, it's a team up. You know, just Fury's going to be in one part of the world and Frank's going to be in the other. Um, but uh, it's just kind of interesting. uh where they go. And so they kind of leave and, uh, and, uh, Frank, you know, he's, he's going to, he's pretty much going to take the job and we, we know he is. So. Yeah. I kind of found that was a little odd, uh, that he would, and granted he knows fury and he trusts fury a lot more than that character, that CIA guy in, in the, in the beginning story arc. Yeah. But I mean, the, in the beginning story arc, part of that whole MacGuffin of that, that story was, and the part of the reason they were going after the Punisher and trying to catch him with microchip for that matter was yeah. this guy wanted the Punisher to work as his, you know, wet works assassin mm-hmm. overseas. And here we are. I mean, Fury sets up this, the, I mean, basically lays it out there for this Rostovic hit. So, if, you know, Frank can go after him and then he ends up showing up at the house and, he, and then he delivers this mission to Frank and asks him, you know, trades him this intel for it. But it's kind of the same thing. But Frank's pretty eager to take it from Fury, rather than you know. In the other story, he there was no way he was going to do it. Well, that's it. Frank Frank doesn't trust many people, uh, and he probably doesn't trust Fury. But he trusts Fury more than other people. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah, the lesser of two evils. You know, let's let's go with Fury. You know. Yeah, and obviously, since this is theoretically the first time we've seen fury in ennis's max run yeah uh, he's establishing this relationship that he has with fury at this point yeah after reading this you know that they already know each other yeah uh, we just haven't seen that yet and of course we'll later see that in fury max and some other stories too yeah uh one thing that's uh pretty cool in here too is you know part of the mission he gives uh frank is it's like the plot of what Mission Impossible Two, where there's a 
a plague or a virus or something, and then there's one person injected with it, and then yeah. they're carrying the antidote. We should probably explain that. Yeah. yeah what what so, is what is what's going? It's almost like a James Bond Mission Impossible thing. Yeah. Oh, it totally is a Mission Impossible James Bond thing. Yeah. I mean, it's so there's this virus that's been developed over in Russia somewhere or something. I mean, it's really not in super Siberia. Important. Yeah. Siberia. Okay. Uh, but it's injected into a person, in this case, just a little six-year-old girl, and she's carrying the virus, and she's also carrying the antidote. So in order to get their hands on this virus, Frank or Fury needs Frank, somebody to go over there and bring this girl, rescue this girl, and bring her back to the States to get it out of the yeah. hands of the, of the Soviets or the Russians or whoever's he's trying to get it from. And her father was the doctor that invented it. Right. Right. And then, uh, but they've got to get her back within a certain time before the antibodies actually destroy it. So they need the virus and the antidote both. So the only way to get it, because I believe her father is dead at this point. He, I uh, think he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Is to bring her back and then get blood samples from her. Right. And Fury, the only guy he trusts to do this is Frank. Yeah. It's Mission so Impossible. Yeah. It is. It's a Mission Impossible thing, right? So what's what's kind of striking is so we've got Fury, we've got Frank, um, the mission, and then all of a sudden on the last three pages of the first issue, uh, it takes a one eighty, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of uh, the Middle East somewhere, and we see a guy, and his name is Rawlings, or Rollins, and we're not really sure what his whole deal is um but he seems to be some kind of cia some kind of wet works guy too and uh it turns out that he is uh, in cahoots with all these american generals and um these american generals are, are not actually friends with fury either and that's kind of where we leave it it's it's kind of almost on a mystery you know what is wh- who who are these secret generals and why are they meeting and who is this other operative that is uh, that they brought into the picture kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, and they reveal this a little bit later on, but just as a little preview, I mean, they are there because they want the same thing that fury does, but they want to weaponize this, this virus. Yep. Exactly. And fury's involved. They're obviously involved, whether they hired fury or not, it's never really revealed, but they're working with fury. Fury doesn't trust them. They don't like Fury. They don't like Fury's methods, and they don't like Frank. That's for sure. Yeah. So, and that leaves us at the end of issue thirteen. Yep. What? You want me to do issue the next yeah. one? Yeah. So go the, for it. you know the next one, you know I I I really like cohesive stories. Um, so I was kind of taken aback by this one because the first page we see a team of um of a couple of guys and we we know it's frank and we know it's it looks like someone else uh that jump out of an airplane and but then we flash back to frank and nick in like a small little movie studio going over intel and then we go back and forth page to page between what's going on in real time with the jump out of the airplane uh jumping into Russia and Siberia and then also going back to the Intel and the, the, the briefing uh, with Frank. And I'm not sure what you, and, and Frank is not working alone. He um, he's hooked up with a guy um, named uh, what the heck is his name? Um, Vanheim. 
Mannheim, Vanheim. Yeah. So, and Frank is not too happy about working with this. Like, you know, he's, he's special forces ranger type kind of guy. And he is basically there because the generals added him there. Uh, so he has to come along and actually he does come into play a little bit later on, um, helping Frank a little bit. Uh, and we'll, we'll kind of get to that, but I'm not sure, you know, so really it's just, it's going back and forth between the briefing and the jumping into Russia and the ground assault into this nuclear, they're housed, they're, they're keeping the girl in this nuclear facility in the middle of Siberia. Uh, so what, what did you think about that storytelling going back and forth, Andy? Uh, I, I wasn't really much of a fan of the storytelling, this bouncing yeah. back and forth. And I'll tell you why. Uh, a lot of the time I've seen this storytelling technique when they're, when they're, you know, going through present time and back to yeah. some memories or filling in some gaps of, of some backstory, maybe about where, where they're at and, and giving more of a re- reveal for what the mission's going to be. But a lot of those times they'll use a different artist and I, and I understand in our in today's day and age with comics, they'll use different artists for more. It's more of a reason to help get the book on schedule out on time too, because yeah. Today's artist isn't necessarily as fast as Jack Kirby and John Romita Jr. These guys spend a little bit more time on their pages, and that's why we don't see continuous runs for all this time. And we'll also get fill-in artists on certain pages, and they often do these kind of time jump type things with yeah. different artists to do that. The problem in this one is it's all Mitch Breitweiser and and uh, Bill Reinhold, but it's all there's no. <sighs> they don't change anything it's the same cinematic storytelling like movie theater screen that they've been using the whole time yeah and it's the same and even the coloring really isn't that much different i I was going to mention the color palette between where frank and nick are in the room is like a gray and then it when they're in the wilderness it's more of a blue and gray and purple and you can't really tell but then we go to the generals and they're all green that's entirely green uh, setup for sure. And that's to match their uniforms, you know, without a doubt. But you know, even the, you know, the, the traditional tricks like changing the shape of the panel or, or rounding the corners. of the They panel didn't do or, that. They didn't do anything. No, so it's a, it's, it's a four to, panel uh, uh, landscape. Exactly. And it just makes it hard to read because yeah. you're kind of like, well, where am I at here? And why is this jumping? There should have been something in between here. You don't realize you're going back to a previous situation unless you really slow yourself down. If you're just kind of following your normal pace reading it, it can become confusing. Uh, Sorry, there was the dryer buzzer. No, that's all right. Uh, Looking uh, at it, I mean, I almost wanted to see a, you know, one being a a landscape and one being... um, horizontal you know horizontal vertical you know totally two different landscapes and i think they, or maybe a four panel standard grid you know yeah i have no problem with the cinematic storytelling that you know they've used on this entire series so far okay but just the fact that it it's interwoven this flashback is interwoven with the regular storytelling just makes it with with no discernible uh, change in style makes it hard to tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's my only complaint. Uh, and like you said, though, the coloring, though it's like gray and blues, it's still all cool, co- cool tones. Yeah. I would have rather have seen them use some kind of warm tones, maybe in the flashback scene in order to kind of, you know, set up that this is definitely different here. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This is a different scene. Uh, just, just kind of confusing as well. Yeah, I mean, really, when you're looking at it, the the entire book is on this four panel uh, landscape format, really. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, moving on the story, so the generals are talking with Fury about stuff, and they're not too happy that they uh, that Nick uh, hired um, hired uh, Frank at all, and they're kind of going at odds and and everything and you can kind of see you know who's in charge who who's doing what and all all that nick really wants is to get back and to be in charge of shield which we don't know why he's been removed from shield or and we don't know why by completing this mission he'll get shield back like who would be in charge of that you know i, I don't understand why this mission hinges so much on nick getting shield back and that's not really explained and I kind of wish they delved into that a little bit more. Yeah, uh, that you're right. It doesn't really explain. No, it. and it's really. It just looks like another mission for Fury, right? Yeah, like, right. Okay, so okay, so this is the mission this week. You've got to organize. Um, yeah, I mean the way that Nick is running this mission, you would think that he is running Shield. You know, I mean, who who gave him the authority to even put yeah. this together? You know, it's it's really kind of strange. So, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot of misinformation that we don't have in this story. Yeah, um, this this kind of where you know issue two is is middle of issue two is kind of where it starts to get absurd for me. Um, Frank and and uh, Vanheim Vanheim right. Yeah, Van, Van They infiltrate this little Siberian town on the outskirts over the nuclear facility, the nuclear uh, uh, missile silo places. So they, they quickly get into town. They quickly get to a bar. They quickly get into a bar fight to have a distraction. They quickly uh, subdue two guys who happen to be in uniform at this silo, uh, this missile, missile silo. They happen to... Um, you know, the, the clothes happen to fit. They happen to find their car keys. They happen to get in the truck. They happen to get to the silo and get in the silo. It's like all in a matter of just like 10 pages, Andy. This is kind of where it kind of gets absurd. Yeah. This I, is where the whole James Bond, like Sean Connery thing goes off the rails. It's like this is way too And even Frank even jokes, this is way too convenient, um, which it is, you know. Oh, it's totally. Everything's, everything just works for him. So. I feel like Ennis was just, <laughs> he, he, he had a spot he wanted to be and he, he felt like he had to write all this buildup and he had to just jam it in these first two issues so he could get to what he wanted to really write, which is issues three through six. That's what he wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, to be honest, I wish he would have just dropped him right into the situation and said, okay, do a couple flashbacks here and there say, this is why we're here. Well, but I would rather do that. I don't, I don't even think looking at it. I don't think the bar fight was necessary. And you know, they, they, he could have, they could have the way they've done this, they could have dropped right in and cut the fence wires and walked into the nuclear facility and nobody would have noticed them. You exactly. know, the, they went through this whole big bar fight to steal a truck and everything like that. And it was all for not, they, nobody really came after them until they really got in there and, but it seemed like they could have done it both ways, but yeah, I mean they had enough intel to know that this little girl is the one injected with this virus and antidote, yeah. but they didn't have enough intel to just drop right in. And you know yeah. they already dropped from a plane and <laughs> yeah, skydived in there at night. 
and or Halo jumped or whatever they did, they already dropped in there. Yeah. Go to this bar. I, I agree with you. I don't think it was necessary. No. Um, and even if they even were joking that like these guys don't even care, they don't even know what time or day it is. They've been the the, the Russian soldiers have been cooped up in the Siberian wilderness for way too long. They don't even care about their job. They just, you know, they just want to do their duty and they want to drink. That's all they want. You know? Yeah. Nothing and, you know, else. The war's over at this point. So these it guys is. are really, yeah. I mean, they're just old soldiers and they don't take things the same way they did back during yeah. the Cold War. So it makes perfect sense that they're not going to be the best soldiers in the world at this point. So we kind of get on back to Rollins and this, this kind of surprised me. Um, and this really kind of hit home. Then this is shortly after 9-11 uh, when this was produced. Uh, but a plane takes off and uh, Rollins is there. And we kind of see that or we kind of guess that this plane is going somewhere and it's made for somewhere uh, disastrous, probably like a plane crash. Um, and we're not really sure uh, what's going on. Um, but we know... Something's not good here. Did did what do you think of the last uh, two pages there, Andy? Knowing what comes later on in the story, yeah, I felt like this was just wasted storytelling opportunity. Okay, to be honest. Um, I don't necessarily think this little side story of this plot point needed to be told. I don't, I don't think, think really, so either. You know, yeah. when, as we get into it, this was totally not needed. If this was a longer story it could have impacted it much better. Like if it was a 12 issue story. Yeah. But in the six issues, I mean, this is paced like an action film. Like it is. It's it's totally like a Steven Seagal movie. Yeah. That's what it is. It's paced like an eighties, nineties action film and putting this kind of extra exposition into it to try to explain some kind of motivation of the generals, which is what these guys are end up being here for. Yep. Doesn't really, it kind of breaks up that that action movie pacing and it kind of feels out of place. Yep. If this kind of stuff was in the Kitchen Irish storyline that we talked about last time, it would be okay mm-hmm. because there was a lot more going on with uh, the villains or the, the, the antagonists in that to where you needed some motivation with those characters. But here, they're just kind of don't need this. Mm-hmm. So uh, on to issue three, you want to take it issue three? can well uh the third part of the story is actually issue 15 and i want to start by the cover to this issue it's another beautiful bradstreet issue or cover uh but it, it, if you bought it off the stand it has <laughs> nothing to do with what's inside the book i mean it's got this very stereotypical russian gangster living in new york on the front with frank coming down a, a fire escape behind him ready to get the drop on him. i love the, the gold chains and the hairy chest and i love his shirt with the hammer and sickle he's got a, like a button down shirt that's open three buttons down and it's a uh, it's a red shirt with hammer and sickles all over it i, oh, I, yeah. I love that shirt like wouldn't you love to have that shirt <laughs> oh it's a cool shirt but I wouldn't wear it in public, but that's a damn cool shirt. <laughs> None of this story takes place in New York City. No, no. It, it, that's this is. It looks like he's fighting the Russian mob in New York. It's like Tim Bradstreet. They, he said, "What's the story about?" And they're like, "Ah, oh, Russian mob fighting a Russian mob." Okay, and then he yeah. paints this, and it's he's in Russia at a nuclear weapons. Yeah, line. I mean, he just he just fought the Irish mob. Now he's fighting the the Russian mob. Oh, okay. What's next? The Italian mob, the, the Yakuza, like who's next? You know, that's all it is. So 
whatever nationality has got a exactly. mob in New York City, he's going to exactly. fight them. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> the issue starts out, and you see the little girl that's been injected with this stuff. And you well, see- well, going back to that, I didn't know how many uh, Russians live in Brighton Beach. I guess that's where all the Russians live. So. <laughs> <laughs> Must be. I mean, I've seen John Wick, so, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> not many anymore after that, but I think this was before John Wick. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so the story starts out, you see the little girl, I think, uh, I can't, I think her, I can't remember her name. Galena, I think is her name. Galena. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, she's there is basically, she's just a, a lab rat really. I mean, they're poking her, they're prodding her, they're yeah. doing tests on her. She is not enjoying being here. I mean, her parents are gone and she's, she's exactly that. She's a lab rat. Oh, and she's getting abused. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, and you start seeing more with the generals and, you know, Frank walks in where she's at and her first words to her are don't be afraid. And she, and she, she, he, she, ah, excuse me. He pulls her out of this lab and bit for lack of a better term. He just rescues her right off the bat. Yeah. They find her pretty quickly. Oh yeah. I mean, she's, she is the MacGuffin of the whole story. They got to go rescue her and bring her back to the States. Yes. So when we're in the beginning of issue three or you know, part three of the story and they've already got her. Okay. So he's got three issues to get back to the state. You're, in the very middle of the story, and he now has the goal he's come after. I mean, this would be like if Indiana Jones found the Ark of the Covenant. Well, he did in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> the rest of the movie, getting back. I mean, it's the same kind of idea, right? Yes. But yes. In this case, you don't have the Nazis capturing the little girl and him trying to get her back and this and that. It's just for right. trying to escape. Um, so he steps out of this place, and you see that he's basically mowed down everybody to get her. Which yeah, that was pretty wicked. Off camera, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as you're walking through, he's telling her to basically keep her eyes closed. And everywhere they walk, there's dead people where they've been. In almost every case, they've been shot in the head too. And uh, this is part of the weird part. They get they they get in an elevator, go down this elevator, and then they the doors open. There's this old tank sitting there, and Frank and Vanheim and the little girl see this out there, and there's two guys standing in front of this tank. So Vanheim in his infinite wisdom decides just to mow them down. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course you think that's the right move. Cause he's mowing down. These guys are about ready to jump in this tank and long story short, they get back in the elevator and they go down the elevator again. And Frank informs the guy that that was an old crappy tank. Basically they probably had it here for maintenance and they were drinking coffee. You just, they weren't like, guys. and we just mentioned that these guys don't care about their job. They're, they're just there to be there. And and Frank even says they could have walked right past them, but Van Eyme yeah. in his gung ho attitude, you know, yeah, he thinks he's a super soldier, mm-hmm. and he decides he's just going to start mowing people down. Well, granted, him and Frank just mowed down everybody inside of this place. True, which I'm surprised they didn't hear it. But regardless, uh, Frank knew that he could have got by these mechanic guys, and Van Heim killed him, and now he's basically put a target on them, and they've got to escape deeper into the missile silo. Right. Yep. And he, this is kind of funny because he tells uh tells this Vanheim guy to make sure he watches his language in front of the kid. Which, looks, yeah, after Frank blows everybody away, yeah, keep keep yeah. your eyes shut and keep uh keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and the meanwhile, oh, you're you're on mute, buddy. Um, in the meantime, um, we, there's more going on about this plane too. So the plane is. Uh, the generals are talking about the plane and the, even the generals uh, earlier on in the issue. Uh, Rollins hasn't let us down yet, um, and they're looking for an update on it. And uh, it's a uh, 
it's uh it'll be in Russian airspace in about an hour and and Moscow. So we know that this plane is headed to Moscow. And you can probably guess by this point, Andy, that this plane either has a bomb on it or is going to crash 9-11 style into somewhere in Moscow. Something is not good on this plane. No, definitely not. Uh, and like I said, this is more of this underlying extra plot twist that we've got going on. We don't mm-hmm. know what's going on with it, uh, but we know there's something is important that's going to happen. This is also the time we get introduced to this Zarkov character, which is a another general, but in this case, he's a Russian general. And they basically are explaining what's going on, that there's an assault on, yeah. on this uh, on this nuclear weapons facility um, where, the, where it's got a missile silo. That's important to know. There is a missile silo here, and it's important later. Uh, but this General Zarkov is brought in, and they're telling him what's going on. And this guy is a pretty savvy general, right? It's, it's kind of funny because he looks like the kingpin. Which he is- looks exactly like the kingpin. And <laughs> you, you know he is also? He reminded me of he's... The, he is the opposite of Nick Fury. He is the Russian Nick Fury. And because you've got your pawns on the ground, so if there's a chessboard, Nick is on one side of the chessboard, this guy's on the other side of the chessboard, and everybody else are just players in the game. That's kind of how I, I viewed even, it. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. Uh, and the character, actually, I like this Zarkov character quite a bit in the, in the story. Well, and we'll see him again in the series. Oh, we'll yeah. see him all the way through it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a really good character, and mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's very clever and he sees through a lot of things yeah uh really good tactician as well uh but after we get done being introduced to zarkov that goes back to the 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 facility and now frank is basically in vanheim and the little girl are basically holed up inside the facility right mm-hmm. and they are basically trying to figure they know they're stuck there at this point and they can't get out no way out yeah there's they're at a point where there's no way out and the rest of the you know the Russians are like okay these guys are in here we got to come go get them, and you know they start defending themselves for lack of a better term yeah right they're fortifying uh, every- themselves yeah they're yeah yeah so this just- is one of those things the Mission Impossible things you're like how the hell are they going to get out of here when the 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 Russian military is coming and they tried the Russian military tries to come down. Um, they could have just waited them out, but maybe they know that the girl, you can't wait them out too long because the girl is valuable and they need to get their hands on her. Yeah, I would go ahead and I would, I will take that as the reason they couldn't wait them out. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, add that and the fact that it would have made this story way too long if they'd have done that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Frank gets a hold of some other weaponry, some, and it's some old crappy weaponry, some old guns and stuff. Obviously, stuff from the Cold War. Uh, you can see. Con- Frank is, you know, there's some dialogue. I shouldn't say it's dialogue. It's not dialogue. There's some internal monologuing Frank's doing where the gun's jamming and he knew this. He says he knew knew this thing was a wreck. So things are not going well for Frank and Van Heim at this point. And he knows things are getting worse. And, you know, he gets hold of some plastique, blows some stuff up. I mean, he's trying to basically just defend himself at this point. Yeah, in the meantime, um, the the Russian general and his cronies are kind of figuring out what to do, and you know, should they go in? Should they should they infiltrate? Should they go get Frank? You know, what are they to do? And 
there's just a lot of dialogue going on with Zarkov and his generals that they're talking about. And it's almost like it's almost too much that they really don't need. You know, it's just babble, I think. I think um, it is too. Um, yeah. I think it's a little bit overwritten in this area. It's funny. It's not overwritten for Ennis because this much dialogue works really well in stories like Kitchen Irish. And yeah. Yeah. Those stories have a lot more subtext going on where this, like we said before, is just a straight out 80s, 90s act. Right? Well, even Zarkov, um, he's, you know, we're what, in issue four right now. And they're talking about who are the two white guys that were at the bar that happened in early on issue two. And it's like, really? It's like, we, you know, keep the story moving along. Don't, you don't need to go back to issues, you know, kind of thing. Um, They could, they could have just said, you know, Hey, these are the two guys or white guys in the bar, you know, move on. But now we're like, you know, they're like, were they Arabs? Were they Afghans? Maybe no, they are white. Same as us. Well, not the quaint same, but they were white. And, you know, they're just trying to figure out who they are. We already know who they are. And it's just, it's just a waste of time. I think. Yeah. And and maybe this is, there's a whole subtext of going on of them trying to figure out who these people are. And this plays into the whole thing with the plane we've got going on too. Yeah. Of who are these guys? Who are these guys? And Zarkov finds out there's these guys at a bar, which I don't know how they put these together, that the guys that are attacking the, the facility are the same guys at the bar. Yeah. Strangers that started a bar fight. Um, I mean, it's, it's awfully. Convenient. Well, the two soldiers are missing though. They're missing two soldiers. Okay. They did, two they did know that. Yeah. Which yep. is a little absurd because they, Frank had said they buried him in a snowbank. So yeah, <laughs> they're not really missing. I mean, you would think that they would have found him. Yeah. And then we, we kind of move on to Fury, who is with uh, no less than three hookers in a giant bed. <laughs> um, and this is where, okay, I understand Fury is a womanizer and he's a drinker. And, um, you know, he's got scars all over his body. But you know what? Fury seems to me to be one of those guys, if a mission is going down in real time, um, first of all, the Russian generals are watching it in real time. The United States generals are watching it in real time. Frank is involved in it in real time. And Fury is in bed with a bunch of hookers. That that doesn't seem like the way he would operate a mission of this importance. I don't know. Um, I kind of see it as, you know. Would you? Okay. Fury's uh, trust in Frank, you know. Okay, that's true. I, mean, okay. I, I agree with you to some extent, but I also feel it. I mean, Ennis is trying to portray Fury as, you know, he doesn't really care anymore, and he has well, he cares about getting he cares about getting his command back to Shield, though. Yeah, that's true. That's what that's I mean. True. I mean, that's and why maybe, I think if it's that important, but maybe he but just maybe, needed a break. You know, I don't know, but. Maybe he also knows that there's no way he's going to be able to keep track of Frank anyway. That's true. Yeah. So was it, what good is it going to do him? He has, he, if he knows Frank at all, he knows he has no control over Frank. Okay. Other than the fact that he can trust him. That's pretty much it. And I think this, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. This is Fury. This is him saying that Fury has complete faith in Frank to get the job done. Okay. I'll give you that. You can, you convince me. <laughs> Thanks. Right. You want to take uh, issue sixteen? Yeah, issue sixteen. Um, part. Oh, this is part four. I'm sorry. So we're halfway yeah. through. Um, 
So, you know, the Russians are going to keep coming after Frank and Van Heim and the little girl. And uh, you can see they go, the only way in and out is this elevator shaft. And they go down the elevator shaft. And I'll tell you what, Andy, when I was reading this panel the very first, I'm like, this isn't going to end well. You know, you know, Frank is down there waiting. And, of course, they go down um, and, you know, they, they run into a bunch of trip wires and they just blow up. Um, and uh, Frank just takes care of them. Uh, like that. So they're not going to get to Frank and Frank is not, not going to get out. So it's almost like at a, a stalemate really. Um, but sooner or later, Frank is going to run out of weapons and plastique you'd think, or maybe not because they're in a Russian base. I have no idea, but, uh, but they're, they're, they're figuring out something. Um, yeah. This is where the story really took a, a turn for the better for me. Not that okay. I it was bad before. Um, but this is where the pace really changed to where it was much more interesting for me because now it's Frank defending his position yeah, and, you know, them sending more guys in different ways after him and him and Van Heim trying to figure a way to get this little girl out of here. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as chaotic and it didn't, from this point forward, I don't feel like it bounced back and forth between the scenes that really didn't matter. And whatever it did go to one of those other scenes, in most cases, it typically mattered to the story. Yep. And, you know, it, it kind of is bouncing back between the Russian uh, Zarkov and the uh, the Russian generals. And it seems like they got a lot of intel, but uh, it's hard to tell where their intel is coming from because there's just four guys standing around the room. Um, but uh, what's interesting is, you know, they've got a... This little, um, I guess he's a one of the Asian generals. I don't know where he kind of came from, but he kind of comes into play pretty soon. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna send somebody in, um, uh, you know, for a, for a mission. And then we're kind of we kind of go across to the the airplane, and we see, you know, we we finally see uh, panels of on the, on board the airplane, and. Two guys overtake uh, the stewardesses, uh, and uh, they take over the plane and the pilot. And um, you know they kind of just take control of this plane, and as they hijack it, and they're going to take it, and they're going to take it all the way to to Moscow. Um, and they don't care; they're shooting everybody. So it's it's that was kind of a, a really eerie couple of panels for me. Yeah, I would say so, especially the time this came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not too long after 9-11, for sure. No, I mean, and they so. do, I think in the story, they do reference 9-11 at some point in the story, don't they? They might have. I may have missed that, yeah. I thought they did at some point, because I was like, oh, this is clearly after 9-11. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it is kind of eerie in this, but also, it, it's you're starting to see where this is going, right? Mm-hmm. With this scene. Um yeah, but n- luckily for us, it goes back to Frank and Vanheim defending their territory. Yeah, and the elevator shaft again. So again, the Russians are coming down. However, there's something different here. One of the guys does a free fall, and he's got a big old backpack uh, on him. And again, this is where it comes very James Bondian. Um, out of the backpack comes this small Russian Asian guy. Um, who is like a tiny little Bruce Lee, um, and he kind of infiltrates 
the base uh, kind of going undetected and um, and uh, he's got a fight with Frank, you know. Um, he's just fighting him in his underwear, actually. So, And uh, in the meantime, Fury is back with the generals talking about what's going wrong um, at the missile silo. And, uh, and, you know, he's not too worried about it. He kind of knows that, uh, that Frank is like you were saying, Andy, that Frank is going to get the job done. And if he doesn't get the job done, then they're all dead. It's one of those things. It's an all or nothing thing. They're either going to, Fury's going to, or Frank is either going to rescue the girl and get out of there alive, or Frank is going to be dead and the girl's going to be dead. That's, that's kind of the, the black and white of it. Right. Yeah. And it's important to note here too, with this, uh, this martial arts, this little martial arts guy that, that was in this backpack and, and now as he's running up on Vanheim, he basically kicks the crap out of Vanheim, who's a Delta Force guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and then he gets in a fight with Frank. He he pretty much takes Frank down, and uh, and it's it's revealed a little bit later that uh, they're both still alive, and they're only alive because Zarkov wants these guys alive so he can interrogate yes. them. Yeah. So that that that's this character's instruction to not kill them. So both Frank and Zarkov at this point are, or not Zarkov, but Frank and Vanheim are both still alive. And the little girl is, they're terrified out of her wits because the two men that were protecting her have been taken down. Yeah. And, you know, as we're going, we're seeing some, it's kind of flashing back also to this other scene with this plane that has now been hijacked as well. It's on its way to, to crashing or attacking or whatever it's going to do. And at the same time, we're watching these flashback with the American generals watching all this go down very intently as it's happening mm-hmm. with the plane. Right. And then they're also interspersing the scene with this assassin threatening the little girl and Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? It, it's a, it's very oddly paced, but it, it's funny also i shouldn't say i don't say it's funny i shouldn't stop that but yeah. uh it it bounces back but they do change the coloring up a little bit on this too okay what we complained about before now it's not very drastic some of that like flashback stuff where we talked about in issue two that we really were having trouble following they do a better job of it here though not great mm. but they do a definite better job because with the plane scenes we see a little bit more blue with the sky and like you said before with the generals we're seeing more greens in there yeah but when you get into the stuff with frank and the assassin and vanheim it's the color palette still very similar mm-hmm. so it's still kind of hard to tell where you're at in the storyline with all these characters that look similar too hmm. and then we see uh the final couple of pages the the plane is coming into view and it looks like it might be crashing pretty soon yeah yeah definitely you want to take 17 i can take 17 and issue 17 you open it up and the first panel is a missile taking out the plane yeah yeah which is obviously this is planned from the beginning right so we find out yeah, we find out. And yeah. it doesn't take long to find out. We're seeing the generals talking. We're seeing the Russian generals. We're seeing the American generals. We're seeing Zarkov trying to figure out who these guys are. One of the coolest things that, that was in this whole story, it's one of my favorite parts of the story, was after Frank's gotten beaten up by this, this assassin guy, 
the little girl uh, is is on the floor. The assassin's obviously done his job. He's calling down, you know, the rest of the the soldiers to come. It, it's been secured, or they know he's been it's been secured. Uh, and Frank sees this assassin slap this little girl because she's trying to to talk to him to try to come to his you know softer side, I guess. So he backhands her. She falls down, and when Frank looks at her, he sees his daughter laying there bleeding to death in the park. Yeah, in Central Park. Yeah, that really hit home. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of wakes Frank up, and he gets up like you know, like Hulk Hogan after he gets beat down by King Kong Bundy, right? <laughs> he gets up. And he walks over to this guy and this guy throws a kick at him. Frank catches his foot and doesn't let go. Yeah. And because he's little, Frank picks him up by the foot and slams him up against the wall and cracks his skull on the wall. It oh. just keeps doing it. Kind of like that scene in Avengers when the Hulk grabbed Loki and kept slamming him into the ground. At the yeah. The except this is a little more bloody. Yeah. Yeah. This is a little more bloody. I don't think Frank is quite that strong, but Frank slams this little guy up against the wall and then keeps throwing them all around and beats the crap out of him and obviously kills him at this point. And then the little girl runs over and says, Frank, and hugs his leg. Like, thanks for saving me. Yep. Crazy. Uh, then the story moves on. We see the, the American generals are all standing around, and they've seen this whole thing, and they're all congratulating themselves because of this, this airliner that was taken out by a missile. And they're like, hey, we did it. You know, good job, guys. And Fury yeah. walks in. And he is pissed. Yeah, he's, you know, what the hell did you guys just do? But he didn't say that. And um, it looks <laughs> no. like, yeah, they're all they're all celebrating. And I get, do you want to take, you don't want to say why they're celebrating? Should we oh, kind of spoil well, that? Yeah, they, they set this whole thing up. They set it up for a diversion. So the Russian intel people in the government would look more at a plane crash or a plane being taken down than they would at some missile silo in the middle of Siberia. So it's yeah. a complete diversion. Yeah. And these guys set this up. So it looked like Al Qaeda was the ones doing it. Too. Okay. And that's what, so going back to Rollins, Rollins is an operative and he infiltrated Al Qaeda and he recruited all these Al Qaeda guys to do the work to hijack the plane. And Rollins, we're going to come to find out in, uh, Many more upcoming issues in the series as well. We're going to learn more about him too. Oh, he's coming back. Okay, he's coming back. Yep, yep. Okay, I didn't Spoiler: remember. He's he doesn't die. <laughs> okay, uh, but but you know, Frank's Frank is going over to Vanheim because obviously they don't know if he's alive after the fight with the assassin, and they find out he's alive. Uh, the little girl. This is another important part too. The little girl grabs a pistol and asks if she can help, and Frank tells her that. She should never play with guns, which yeah. is kind of funny hearing it come from the Punisher, right? You don't expect that, uh, but that that comes up coming up again later too. Uh, it, then he sticks her in this corner because he knows, you know, the rest of the Russian guys are coming. Yeah, because they're already coming down, thinking this assassin's already secured it, so they think they're in the clear because they didn't get killed coming down the elevator shaft. Even the Russian generals think that they think that if anybody can kill these two white guys. It's their little Asian assassin dude. Yeah. Their little, you know, first so lady. Frank dude. puts a little girl, he puts her, gets her as protected as she can. And this is important too because he says, I'm going to, there's a bunch of parachutes and things here. I'm going to cover you with these parachutes, which it's, it's like the old adage, right? If you're going to have an, uh, a shotgun in a scene of a film, 
don't have it. If you're gonna have a, if you're not gonna have a shotgun on the scene of a film, don't have one hanging over the mantle of the fireplace before the scene starts, right? Because <laughs> right. if you see it there, it has to be used. And here we are, Frank's giving her a bunch of parachutes to hide behind, so they're going to be used at some point. We just, exactly. Yep. I'm not sure why, uh, but then you start seeing these Russian military guys start dropping down the the elevator shaft to where Frank is, and. Doesn't take long. Frank dives out and starts mowing them down with automatic weapons, right? But Vanheim kind of freaks out. This is where he has his breaking point, which, again, I don't think a guy of this caliber who has been trained for this mission would freak out like this. And he says, game over. Sorry, kid. And he pulls out two syringes. And what we're going to find out is that he can extract instead of saving the girl he can extract the um her blood so all he has to do is get out there get out with her blood and not get out with her right, right. yeah and you know and he and he doesn't ha- actually he doesn't plan for both of them to leave early just him just him right yeah, just frank just yeah. him or no and- no frank just him yeah yeah, just him. And we go back to more scenes of Frank arguing with the generals and basically cussing them out over what they did um, with this whole other plot to make it look like Al-Qaeda is. And, you know, and oh, with, with Nick. Yeah, yep. Yeah, with Fury and these American generals. And then Fury is, he's obviously really upset at this point. And he takes his belt off and he cracks this guy upside another general upside the head with his belt and starts beating on him yeah with it and it's a brutal scene man i i was i was kind of surprised at that one and of course you know he threatens other guys if you touch the phone you're next and i mean he is a badass and at this point these generals are kind of afraid of him but they're also you know called the mps this and that and yeah the, they're terrified of fury he's kind of lost it oh yeah he's lost it yeah Yeah, well they also know that they may have done a bad thing you know they they thought it was a good idea to begin with but you know maybe this wasn't such a good idea yeah and it come to find out i mean they know if fury gives them they they can't really press charges against fury because they're the ones in the wrong here exactly they're gonna be in a lot more trouble than fury might get in trouble for hitting a superior officer but they're gonna be in a lot more trouble for what they've done yeah uh story goes on uh Vanheim's getting ready to, you know, withdraw blood from this little girl. Frank catches him, you know, asks him what he's doing, stops him from doing this, and makes him tell him what this secondary protocol is. And that's where we find out what Vanheim's supposed to do. That he's supposed to just withdraw their blood, yep. and just escape himself, and pretty much leave Frank and the girl to die. Yep. And Fury uh, doesn't know. This was all. Um, this is all again part of the generals, the United States generals' orders. Exactly. Yeah. And the neat thing we find out here is Frank is now starting to question this guy. And this is kind of where that action movie thing comes in again, where Frank is like, well, what did, you've been on their computer system this whole time. What did you find out about it? He goes, well, there, there's there's no way out. Right. Well, what do you know about their computer system? He goes, well, it's obsolete. Anybody could hack into this thing. It's okay. Then you know something's coming right after that. Yeah. And what ends up happening uh, is is Vanheim gets back into the computer. It's this archaic old software and hacks in there and basically threatens to send missiles to all the major Russian cities. Yep. Fire up the nukes. 
fire up the news. So Frank's going to bomb all the Russian cities from their own silo. Yep. So, and that's pretty much where it leads off. He says it will burn Russia and its people from the face of the earth. Yep. But Zarkov, um, yeah, he's, you know, he even says the beginning, you know, they have no ego for nuclear confrontation. Yes, they will fry 100,000 Japanese. So as long as there's no question of retaliation, but outright war is a step too far for them. Um, that is why we have nothing to fear. So even this Russian general knows that it's whatever happens, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, he's, you know? he's calling their bluff. He's calling the bluff. Yep, yep. Yeah, and that takes us into the last issue if you want to cover that. Yeah, let's um let me uh let me pull it up real quick. Um uh oh, you know what? I'm having trouble. Oh, here we go. I'm reading it on my iPad. That's how I'm doing it tonight. Um so yeah, Fury, uh we start off with Fury. Um they're kind of like watching in real time again of, of what's going on with uh, you know the the Russian military the 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 uh the launch codes are kind of going through and the guys who are just at at the um at the uh watching the computer screens their eyes are just just lit up they're like oh my god what the hell is going to happen we're ready for nuclear war um and even uh zarkov and and frank they're like okay let's let's get it going you know we we got 10 minutes to get over there two minutes after that you know program set and locked so we don't we're not really sure what's going to happen except for that uh nuclear missiles are going to be flying pretty soon. And so we we you know it's kind of funny. We go from the United States generals and fury to Frank to the Russian generals all in three pages uh of what this is all going on and and sure enough on the fourth panel um they launch Andy. <laughs> and you're like what the hell? It's like it's really going to happen. You know, yeah, and I was I was reading this. I actually didn't expect it. You know, this played like that action movie. I didn't expect it to get to the launch. Yeah, I thought there'd be a, some other twist there, but sure enough, there's a launch. Yeah. So even even Fury is like, "What's the target?" And they're like, "It's inbound on Moscow." Uh, Norad are saying, uh, "And uh, Castle, you crazy sob kind of thing." So. He, you know, he kind of knows what he's doing, but even even going back to the 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 Russian generals, uh, was was Zakharov, um, he's holding steady. You know, he he knows the other generals with him are freaking out. Um, so we you know we do nothing. You know, there was these are our, one of the generals says these are Arab terrorists that missile on its way to obliterate our nation's capital, um, and he's going to call somebody coming in. He's going to re- relieve his, of his command. And Zarkov just shoots him. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, they're bluffing, you know, for sure. So you want to you take us up to the uh, what happens next in <laughs> all the James Bond glory? Oh, yeah. This is totally cool. So this they, the next page, you flip it, and you see this missile, and then the, the engine's cut off, uh, and you find out that the, the, once the engines have cut off, it turns into basically just a dead missile it's like a dud and it starts falling right and the warhead's been deactivated it's all done so they just think and basically zakharov is now you know this is i would see i was right it's they're not willing to start a war and next thing you know the 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 missile is basically falling and you see (laughs) a foot kick this metal panel and out of the missile itself 
comes Vanheim, Frank, and the little girl. Yeah. With those aforementioned parachutes that we <laughs> talked about, just like a James Bond movie. So they got inside this missile, launched the missile with the express intent of deactivating it at some point. And I don't know if they programmed it into the launch or they did it while. Well, I think, I think he did. I think Van Heim knew enough to infiltrate the computer system to hack into it. And they they deactivated the warhead and they just climbed in, you know, what (laughs) apparently there's enough room for two grown men to get inside a missile, you know, who knows? So, well, I've never tried. So I've never tried. No firm that. Uh, But once it gets deactivated, you know, Frank's out of it. And all of a sudden, the Russians are all breathing a sigh of release, and Zakharov is, and they're telling Zakharov, "Oh, you were right. You were right about it all every all along." And there's a really cool line. He says, "He says I was right in every detail but one." He says that was no American because the whole time Zakharov's been saying these are Americans. Yeah, because because they're not giving up because they're not you know haven't you know detonated a you know, a suicide bomb or some other thing. He, he knew it was American for some way, shape or form. Uh, he says that was no American. It was a Russian who was born there by mistake. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Which is kind that's of a this, great line. Like, it is a great line. It's kind yeah. of this thing. I was like, I, you know, he, he it's did, respect. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's a statement of respect. And then you get to the next thing and they're down on the ground and Van Heim's walking up to Frank and the little girl as they're, you know, getting all their gear off of them. They landed Van Heim. Something happened to him, right? Well, he doesn't have a coat. Yeah. He tore his pack off. As, yeah. As some of the shrapnel or something from, from something. And he doesn't have a coat. He lost no his weapon. backpack. He doesn't have a weapon. And they've got about a 10 mile walk. <laughs> And it's minus 20 degrees. Yeah. So they draw straws to see who's going, getting the coat and taking yeah. the girl back. And you knew, you knew how that was going to f- happen. Well, yeah, there are several more volumes in Punisher Max. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, I mean, Frank was the one who was doing the straws. So, you know, and and Frank yeah. wasn't going to give him the coat whether they wanted, he wanted or lost it, you know, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, he's also where it's important that he, he says, you know, you're Delta force, you get the job done no matter what. So he plays that honor card with Vanheim here too. Yeah. Where earn, earn okay, your stripes, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, he, he plays this and the last scene you see with Vanheim is him walking off in one direction without a coat. And this is really a good storytelling here on Mitch Breitweiser's part. Mm-hmm. Where he shows Vanheim walking and just the sheer hopelessness in his face and in his posture and his body language and the way he disappears into the storm. It, really good job on that page. Um, mm-hmm. I think, he, yeah, that's one of my favorite pages in the whole story. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. So you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I'll wrap it up. So Frank gets back to the United States with Galena. They they land in some military base, uh, probably in Washington somewhere. Um, and uh, Fury is, you know, they're all pissed at Fury about what happened. And it took so long for Frank to get back on purpose that her blood and the um, with the virus that they're going to sample is basically useless. 
Um, and they're like, you know, even the generals are like, well, let's, let's see, you know, let's prod her and see if we can get anything out of her. And Frank is like, you're not going to touch a hand on her at all. Um, that that's not going to happen at all. So, um, yeah, it just, it kind of, it's pretty good. I kind of like the way it ends. So, you know, they kind of ride off into the sunset here. Um, it looks like Fury is going to get his, um, his, uh, commission back at shield and Galena is going to be okay. She goes off. Um, I think it doesn't really say who she goes off with, uh, but it looks like she's going to go off with some people that are going to take care of her because Frank can't take care of her. And uh, not only that, but it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about the what the guns. Um, and he says, uh, what are you never going to do, Galena? And he, she says, play with guns. And he's like, good girl. Um, yeah, and then Frank... Uh, he sleeps for three days straight. And the funny thing was he goes back to the bar where it all happened in Brighton beach. And he tells the, uh, the bartender, um, he kind of goes back and, you know, he reminds the bartender that the old man, the crazy old guy is protected and, uh, to get the good vodka out and the good vodka comes out and the old man wraps it up saying, maybe there's hope for the motherland after all, which I thought was a funny way to, to end the story. You know, he was so down on Russia, but uh, after getting the good vodka, it's everything is okay. So, you know, anything more you want to tell the story? Yeah, I, I took this scene a little differently at the end, too, because there's this line in here that makes me think that Frank stole this vodka from the bar that they went to back when they were in Russia. Because there's this line here that says, I'm going through the stuff I carried out of Sudek with something hits so when something heavy hits the floor. Must have stuffed it in my coat after I killed the big guy in the bar. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, that's so funny. That's what I took it as. I took it as he stole it from the bar. Maybe that's the whole reason he went to the bar so they could do these last two pages so this old man would have good vodka. Oh, that's funny. I didn't but, notice that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I got. But if you look at the the bottle that they drew, I think it's the same vodka he's pouring in the beginning of the story anyway. So I don't really know if that's the case or not. No, because he said that was the last bottle. In the beginning oh. of the story, that was the last bottle. He didn't have any more, or so he wasn't, just... or he wasn't going to give any more of the good stuff to the old crazy old man. Okay. Yeah, but in either case, he's got the good stuff again. So. Yeah, he does. Yep. And it's kind of a neat way to end it, but overall, it was a decent story. Um, not my favorite one. Uh, I thought it was kind of, you know. A little inconsistent here and there, but yeah. like I said, it was a different type of. Yeah, I mean, it was a little far fetched, um, but it was it was good. I think you froze up on me. Some aspects of it that there are, you go. Um, I think there are some aspects of it where um, he would, uh, where he does a little bit more of that storytelling style from like Kitchen Irish and in the beginning, mm-hmm. but. Overall, I think he was, the story didn't really call for that, and I think it was a little inconsistent because of that. I would have rather have seen just this start the whole story with him just in this mission and just carry it all through. I would have liked yeah. to see him get rid of the whole trying to blame Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda for it. I would have rather them just think that these, they don't know who these guys are and trying to yeah. figure it out whether they're I would rather not the bar scene happen. I really not the whole thing with, uh, I don't remember the character's name, the Russian mobster in the beginning that they set up for, you know, almost a whole issue. Well, in the airplane, I was kind of disappointed about that. 
being that yeah. whole issue part of the story. I think there's just a lot of fat that could have been trimmed out of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have made it a little bit tighter, but it, it's still entertaining though. It was good. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not the greatest uh, one um, so far. I mean, of the four we've read, it's, it's not my, in my top number one. Um, and there, we still got a lot of Punisher to go too, for sure. So, oh, but, but overall, um, pretty good. I, I liked it. It was a fun, fun story. Very, very, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon kind of stuff. Uh, quick read, fun read. Um, and I love seeing Nick Fury. That, that was the highlight of the, the episode. You know, if it was some other general, um, that was kind of running the show or if, if you had, let's say that Frank wasn't even, didn't have a Nick Fury in this and the generals kind of set him up as the fall guy, um, you know, kind of like a hired gun. So Vanheim, you know, they needed two guys, right? So they got Castle to do the wet work and Vanheim to do their, the complete the mission kind of thing. Basically but instead, the arc, right? the arc, yeah. But instead we got, we got Fury to, to run it. Um, so they could have gone that route. Um, and, uh, but I love seeing Nick Fury in this. This is great to see. So if you're a fan of Nick Fury, there's a lot of Nick Fury Max out there, a lot of Punisher stuff that he is involved with. And, uh, you know, I, I could definitely see Ennis doing a, or Marvel doing a, uh, a one volume of all the Frank Castle, Nick Fury, Max team ups. I think that would make a fun little trade paperback. Yeah, um, would. you know, so excellent. Yeah, I, I think next big time we do, back. <laughs> I think next time we do this, we get to do the story up is down and black is what and black is white. Black is white. Uh, That's next. We get the art team of Leandro Fernandez and Scott Hanna back with us, uh, which is who we had, I believe. Scott Hanna inked that in the beginning story, and that was Leandro Fernandez as well. Yep. So we get and that Dan Brown and the well. colors. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and read that, we will get to that sooner or later. Uh, that will be the next one we do. So if you want to read ahead so it's easier to follow along, you're more yep. than welcome to and encouraged to. Yeah, that was a lot of Yeah, we'll do that in about another uh, about another month or so. So that yeah, sounds good. All good, Andy. All we'll wrap good, it up. Chris. All right, Pardon? good deal. That that'll do it for this episode of the Collected Comics Library. If you like what you heard. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your finer podcasts. And if you want to hear more from us, please join our free Slack channel community over at bit.ly slash CCL Slack. And you can email us at collectedcomicslibrary at gmail.com. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.